from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. So if if an officer sees uh, marijuana or smells marijuana, that can't be the sole reason for, uh, for any given interaction with the police. We see people who have the means to do so end up with a littering charge, whereas people who don't have the means end up with a drug conviction. The, the vast majority of these citations were going to black folks, uh, and we know from other studies that we've looked at that black folks aren't using marijuana at higher rates than any other racial group. I'm Sarah Fenske. Last week, St. Louis Mayor Tashara Jones signed a bill into law that achieves a long-held goal of local progressives. It says police will no longer cite people for possessing up to two ounces of marijuana. That's about 56 grams. It also allows city residents to grow up to six cannabis plants. The bill was the work of St. Louis Alderman Brett Narayan, and he joins us today. So, Alderman Narayan, welcome. Thank you, Sarah. Happy to be here. So there's a lot in this bill. Walk us through the main points. What exactly does this bill say? So the the purpose of this bill was to harmonize our local ordinances with uh, the Constitution of the state of Missouri. In 2018, voters came out and voted for what was then called New Approach Missouri Amendment 2 on the ballot. It's since been codified as Article 14 in the Missouri State Constitution. And we're trying to pull our local ordinances into uh, harmony with what the voters uh, uh, voted for overwhelmingly in 2018. But so that was medical marijuana. This it was. seems to go a bit further than that. It does. So what? Uh, so we took the uh, numbers on the the amounts from that uh, from the Constitution because there is some concern when you talk to the uh, local officer on the street uh, who's out patrolling. Uh, when they walk into a uh, someone's home, you know, whatever uh, reason they may have for being in there. Let's say they have probable cause to be in sure, that home. Exactly. Yeah. After a 911 call, uh, something like that. Uh, we it's it's hard for them to determine uh, just with boots on the ground whether or not someone is in compliance with all of these various uh, state laws. They are not the medical marijuana police. Exactly. They're not the Department of Health and Senior Services who's tasked with that. So we didn't want to put those officers into a situation where uh, in in the law it's called the reasonable policeman standard. And we didn't want to put reasonable policemen into a situation where they may make uh, split-second decisions on this and get it wrong and then ultimately have the St. Louis taxpayer responsible for the cost of a, a medical patient's marijuana plants. Yeah. So if they're coming into something where somebody claims, I have a medical marijuana card, you don't want them to have to figure out whether that card is legit. Exactly. And so when we talked to uh, the public safety director on this, it was important that we got his buy-in. Uh, and when we spoke to him about it, he said there is this system that we can check these things on. And so the probable cause piece laid out in the, I guess now the ordinance. Uh, it's been signed into law. Yeah, it has been signed into law now. Um, so the, the probable cause piece does allow the odor or visual presence of marijuana to be used as probable cause in what's called a totality of the circumstances. So it just can't be the sole reason. 
So if, if an officer sees uh, marijuana or smells marijuana, that can't be the sole reason for, uh, for any given interaction with the police. If it's part of a bigger picture, uh, it still can be. Okay. So basically, this changes a lot. I it mean, does. sort of that medical marijuana thing kind of opened the door for people can now have these small amounts and be going and kind of medium sized amounts. I think it's fair to say two ounces is a decent amount of pot. It, it, it is. But I think it's important to go back to this is what the that's the amount that the voters mm-hmm. of the state decided was a personal amount. Mm-hmm. And, and they voted for it in the city of St. Louis. Eighty three percent of people voted for it. So it's a pretty overwhelming uh, a number of people when you think we don't get 83 people, 83 percent of people to agree on anything. And so when people come together like that, I think it's the, the clear will of the people. And I think that the legislative branch has an obligation then to play some catch up. Uh, we often run uh, behind in the legislative branch. So something that feels important to talk about here is that the city quote unquote decriminalized marijuana in 2013. But that doesn't mean this wasn't an issue for a whole lot of city residents. The police were continuing to give out these citations. What did a citation do? How is that different than say if they were actually arresting people for this stuff? So that was progress at the time. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to note that uh, that that this was uh, incrementalism at its finest. Um, it, it, back then, when we when uh, the board of aldermen saw fit to change that, it changed it to a twenty-five dollar fine, which had previously been up to a five hundred dollar fine, uh, and took away the possibility of jail time for these uh, small amounts of marijuana. However, there was still a hangup because if any given individual pled guilty and just paid that fine, you did have the potential for knock-on effects when it came to student loans, when it came to public housing assistance, uh, any any state or federal assistance, uh, they could essentially be barred from receiving as a result of having a drug conviction. Uh, additionally, there's, there's kind of an equity piece there. Uh, we've seen that many times when Uh, upper middle class and upper class people run into these same problems that they pay a criminal defense attorney to come in and and full disclosure I've done criminal defense work uh, sure so I know this you were sometimes hired to do these cases (laughs) Uh, I imagine and so uh, you come in and you make a plea agreement with the prosecutor so we see people who have the means to do so end up with a littering charge whereas people who don't have the means end up with a drug conviction and oftentimes, those are the same people who most need uh, the the access to uh, to public services and uh, and things like uh, public housing assistance and and student loans. I imagine people who weren't familiar with all the ramifications of this, they might say, "Hey, this is just a twenty-five dollar fine. Of course, I'm not going to hire a lawyer to fight this." You know, they do the whole no contest or whatever it's called here, and the next thing you know, they're looking at something that shows up on a background check and ha- can have serious repercussions. Absolutely, and that's the thing. If 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 you didn't know kind of the system going into it, and you say, "Okay, I've talked to this lawyer. He says it'll be." you know, $500 to, to come in and negotiate this deal. Or I can just pay the $25 and walk out here today. I'm not going to jail either way. What's the big deal? Um, I see how it would be easy for a lot of folks who didn't realize the full extent of what they were uh, biting off to uh, end up biting off more than they 
they wanted to. Mm -hmm. And one of the other interesting things about all this is, you know, I feel like people would say, oh, well, maybe that's on the books, but the St. Louis police aren't actually enforcing that. They were. I mean, there's some statistics. They were continuing to give out these citations. They were. And I think the, the flip side of that coin is if that's what we were doing in practice anyway, why not just codify it? Right. So even if they weren't enforcing it, but these citations were being given out. And as you say, the racial breakdown on who was getting them was pretty stark. There, there was, uh, uh, there were, and I forget the numbers just off the top of my head now, but the, the vast majority of these citations were going to black folks. Uh, and we know from other studies that we've looked at that black folks aren't using marijuana at higher rates than any other racial group. So you do start to think, what, what, what are we actually doing here? Mm-hmm. So this, uh, this bill that has now been signed into law by the mayor, this takes all of this off the table. People aren't going to get these kind of citations anymore. Uh, the police can't use this as, as the only reason uh, to, uh, to come after people more. Um, why would we not just say at this point, we have legalized possession of small amounts of marijuana in St. Louis? So the Board of Aldermen has uh, some limited authority. I, th- I think we we can't always go as far as we would like to on some things. Uh, so the circuit attorney still does have discretion to bring any of these charges in state court. Uh, all that we have authority over is our municipal court. So I know that uh, St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner said in 2018 that she wasn't going to prosecute less than 100 grams. She's not bringing these cases, but that could change if a different circuit attorney came in. Absolutely. So if a, if a different circuit attorney came in and they wanted to be tough on this particular type of crime, they could bring charges uh, against anyone who was not a medical marijuana patient on these. Uh, of course, the medical marijuana program is laid out in the state constitution, so folks who do have a medical marijuana card from their doctor would not be subject to uh, criminal charges. So that's why you don't want to just go a little too far in how this is framed. Exactly, yeah. It, we we don't have the... Uh, and, and it's also important to note that here in St. Louis, we do have federal property as well. Um, so if you're, say, on the arch grounds, even if you have a medical marijuana card, you could run afoul of the federal government. So it's really a, a kind of a crazy patchwork of, of laws that we have. And I think it's uh, important that anyone who's pushing on this front continues to push both at the state and federal level so that we can try and end that patchwork. Uh, because right now we have a situation where you know, with all the municipalities and then all the, st- all the cities, all the states, you can cross these kind of imaginary lines on a map and end up with a very different law regarding what's in your pocket. So I know one of the things you had hoped to do with this legislation is you were looking at potentially expunging past convictions. People who had paid that $25 fine got stuck with one of these citations. Why did that not end up being a part of this uh, bill? So that was actually a very important piece for me. Uh, and uh, I, I it was disheartening uh, after a lot of conversation with the uh, the city councilor's office because that was an important equity piece in this, but uh, it's pointed out to me often in legislation that we shouldn't let perfect get in the way of good. And to include that would have potentially run us head into um, the expungement statute that the Missouri State Legislature passed, I think, 
roughly four years ago. I think it went into effect roughly three years ago, uh, where you could expunge two misdemeanors and one felony off your record over the course of a lifetime. So if someone had already done some expungements or if they had multiple uh, municipal convictions and we just said we're expunging them, we could run afoul of that. And the city councilor didn't feel comfortable uh, going up against the attorney general on yet on another that. battle the city yeah, would have to fight. Exactly. And so given the fact that we're seeing some some pushes uh, at the state level right now that include expungement, I pulled uh, reluctantly pulled that that portion out and uh, I'm hoping that we see some change at the state level. Okay, give them time to see if they can do something here on that front. That's the hope. We got a question from Twitter. Uh, Tom writes, Alderman Naraya, now that you've got the significant marijuana reform in place, are you considering pursuing changes to broader drug laws, for example, in the way that other cities around the country have moved to decriminalize psychedelics? And he points to Seattle, Oakland, and Detroit, for example. Is that at all on your radar? Um, you know, some of my colleagues have brought that up. I think that's a much tougher uh, a hill to climb. Uh, one of the things that we have from uh, on the marijuana front that we don't have on, say, psilocybin is uh, the Cole Memorandum, which was a memorandum put out by the Obama administration and then changed under the Trump administration. Now it's a different name, but the substance of it is the same, uh, where if a if any given entity or individual is following all of their state and local laws, in regards to medical marijuana, the federal government isn't going to interfere with that. Uh, I'm not sure if the DEA wouldn't come in if you say psilocybin is now, you can go to the store and buy psilocybin. That might be a step too far for the feds. Yeah, the feds may say, uh, you know, it's really cute, St. Louis Board of Aldermen, that you think you're going to do that, but you're not. Yeah. So this comes back to this idea of incremental progress. You're kind of looking to chip away at these things rather than do something that maybe would get a bigger headline but could end up being reversed. Yeah. I, I think that we, we have to look at where the people are. And, you know, I know that uh, in the conversations that I've had with people regarding, say, psilocybin reform, we the, the people of Denver and the people of Oakland uh, are a different set of people than the people of the city of St. Louis. And so they they may be there to where the legislature says, yes, this is a great idea. Um, this, the people of the city of St. Louis may also. Uh, it's really hard to tell. One of, the, one of the only ways that we really knew, that I knew at least, that the people of the city were there is because of this 2018 vote that we had on medical marijuana. And after that, people were saying, why didn't, why didn't this push further? Why didn't we go further? Uh, and so we knew that the, the populace was there. And so it's easy then as a, uh, as a legislator to say, okay, 92% of the people in my ward voted for medical marijuana. You see a mandate there. Th there. There's no way that I can come out and say, oh, I don't know what the people are thinking on this. It's pretty clear what they were thinking. It is interesting. I remember there was a big fight back in 2017 when older woman uh, Megan Green was trying to do this same thing. She wanted to get rid of these citations and she just ran into so much opposition. Felt like this time if there was opposition, this was happening behind the scenes. People were not publicly in opposition to this. Well, one, one of the things that uh, is important to me when when I introduce legislation is to try and bring 
every stakeholder into the conversation. So before I filed this bill, I had talked with the public safety director. I had talked with the director of personnel. Uh, I had spoken with every alderman who wanted to speak with me. I had spoken with the president of the board. And when someone had an idea, I would put that into the substance of the bill. Um, it, we even saw that on, in the floor debate, we even made a change to it. Um, one of my colleagues had a concern about the public consumption mm -hmm. of marijuana. And ultimately, what this bill was about was not uh, allowing people to publicly consume marijuana. So we said, sure, let's throw that in there too. Yeah. Um, and I think when, when you invite people to the table uh, and let them share their concerns, it's a whole lot easier to address those concerns before you've even started. And it's a whole lot easier to get buy-in from uh, the coalitions that you need to actually move substantial legislation like this. Well, this has been substantial. This makes some big changes. Uh, Alderman Brent Narayan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. This episode was produced by Sarah Fenske with audio engineering by Aaron Dore and production assistance from Jane Mather Glass. It was mixed and edited by Jane. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.